Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Praise the Lord. We're glad to be in the house of God this morning. We thank God for the corporate gathering, the, the body of Christ, the people of God. We all do our part to make Victory Church all that God wants it to be. We haven't arrived, but we press on. Amen? We keep pressing on, and everyone's uh, part is important because we are the body. Uh, we might be a finger, we might be a thumb, we might be a big toe, we might be a nose, an ear. Uh, it's God who, con who formed the body, amen? And so we're all important. And we're grateful for what God is doing here at Victory Church. We're grateful for his goodness to each and every one of us. And uh, we're grateful that you're here this morning. Amen. I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. We are uh, continuing a series that we started in the month of June. And we're continuing... Uh, here we are already in August, and I want to talk to you, um, I've entitled my message, A Time to Weep, A Time to Weep. I want to talk about learning the little known secret of lamenting, lamenting. As we look at the book of, of 150 Psalms that span over a thousand years from when Moses wrote one of the first Psalms until Ezra wrote a Psalm. A thousand years of worship history. What lessons we have to learn in the book of Psalms when we look into 150 psalms that span such a, a long period of time that touch on so many different topics emotionally, physically, spiritually, the psalms record deep emotions, intense feelings, even dark rejection, even rebellion, speaks of exalted jubilation. We know that the Psalms were written by several different authors. King David, the psalmist, wrote a majority of them, about half of them maybe, a little bit more. I guess it would have to be more than half to be a majority. Some have summed up the Psalms like this, life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. This morning we want to talk about something that we don't like to hear about, especially in our culture, in the American culture, in this country, and prioritize happiness over everything else. We're all about comfort, we're all about happiness, we're all about how life could be enjoyable for me, for mine, uh, for myself, and we focus on what makes us happy. But the reality of it is, we enter this world with a cry. The first sound we utter after we leave uh, the warm confines of our mother's womb is a scream and a cry. So we enter this world uh, wailing. 
And you see, we have a, a, a cultural conditioning that has affected our church. How many of you know that the church is not to be affected by the world, but the church is to affect the world? We are to impact the world. We are not to be impacted by the world. We are to make a difference. Jesus said, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And so we have to be careful because this creeps into the church. And, and if you see somebody sad in church or downcast or a little melancholy, we want to tell them, oh, just snap out of it. Cheer up. Don't be a downer. What's wrong with you? But we have to understand that life is tough. The world is broken. Nothing works perfectly. The rain, the, the weather doesn't work perfectly. It's one job that I wish I had, a weatherman, to make all that money and to be wrong half the time and still get paid a good amount of money. But nothing works perfectly. You can buy something, and as soon as you buy it, you, you use it, or you, you try to enjoy it, and it, it just doesn't work. And, and, and we have a saying, and it's kind of negative, but, but we say, nothing's easy. How many of you ever said that? Said it this week. But that's the reality of, of a life, and, and, and there's so much pain and heartache and loss and suffering. And as a pastor, I hear a lot of the pain and the suffering just the last couple of weeks, reports of cancer diagnosis, a brother passing away unexpectedly, a young son of 25 found unresponsive, another friend, a drowning of a, of a nephew, another friend loses a husband in a fire, a nephew passed away out of state, another young person killed in a motorcycle accident. And we can multiply over and over in our lives when relationships go sour. Words wound us deeply. We feel betrayed. Life is full of losses. And the question is, how do we deal with it all? How do we deal with it all? There's a myth that Christians should always be smiling, always happy, always cheerful. Turn to the person next to you and say, I guess you don't believe that myth. <laughs> but you know, the Bible says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to weep and there's a time to mourn. Look at the, listen to the words of Jesus. They almost sound like a, an oxymoron. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed if you mourn. Or you could also say happy are those who mourn. Again, it sounds like a contradiction. The Psalms... More specifically, the Psalms of Lament help us with the grieving, the mourning, and the weeping process. What I found very fascinating, we have 150 Psalms, right? Some scholars believe one-third to a half of them. 
So between 50 to 75 of the very psalms that we have in the book of Psalms are psalms of lament. Wow. Think about that. The, there were individual psalms of lament, and then there were corporate psalms of lament. What I mean by that, individuals express the lament, and I'm going to get into what it means, but also corporately, the people of God would lament. Matter of fact, in Israel, we have uh, the, the, the wall, the western wall, that is that very um, uh, picturesque and awe-inspiring image that you can Google, and if you've been there, when you first see it, it's so uh, awe-inspiring, awe overwhelming. This wall that was the closest wall, uh, the wall actually of Solomon's temple, and for the Jewish people, that was the closest they can get to God because the manifest presence of God would be in, in the Holy of Holies, in the Solomon's temple. And so for the people, they would gather there. But you know what it's become known as in history? It's called the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall, where the people of God would wail, they would cry, they would weep over the suffering, the brokenness, the, the travesty of experiences that they've had. So the question is this morning, what is lament? Again, it's not a word we use today, but biblical lament is this. Listen, it's a passionate expression of grief to God. A passionate expression of grief to God. Lament is not just weeping, it is a form of prayer. Lament is more than just an expression of sorrow or the venting of emotion, but it is bringing up pain to God in truth and in sincerity with no whitewashing and no putting on a facade or trying to impress God. Lament is talking to God about your pain and your suffering, but it includes trust. See, we invite God, we are invited by God to pour out our fears, our frustrations, our sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. Lamenting is an act of worship. That can include, listen, this might, this might blow some of your minds. It could include arguing, arguing with God and complaining. Hello? That sounds sacrilegious. That sounds so wrong. You mean you could argue with God? You could complain to God? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Complaining to God can be an act of worship. I didn't say complaining about God. That can be an act of rebellion. It's like in personal relationships. If we complain uh, to other people about someone, that's a form of gossip. And it could be sowing seeds of discord and could also cause division. But if we complain to the person, that could actually strengthen our relationship. Hello? It's the same thing with God. If we complain to God, it, 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 actually, it actually speaks of having a relationship with God that you could actually wrestle with and struggle with these things in the presence of God. And that's what the psalmist did. 50 to 75 of the psalms were actually the psalmist, uh, uh, either individually or corporately, complaining to God, questioning God 
Oh, now you're saying you're going too far, Pastor. Because I grew up, I was taught in church that you don't complain to God. I was taught in church that you don't ask questions. You don't question God. Really? Well, you need to be retaught by the scriptures. Where do I get that theology from? None other than Jesus on the cross. When he hung, bled, and died on Calvary, the Bible tells us he became our sin bearer. The Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, where he took every sinful deed you ever did, every sin you committed in word, in thought, in word, in action, where Jesus took the sins of the world. Blessed be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he hung on the cross, he's taking the sins of the world on himself. And because God Almighty, God the Father in his holiness, would have to judge sin, he places the sins of the world on that perfect, holy, pure life. And he turns away. He turns away in judgment because God had to judge his son. And at that moment, what did Jesus say? He said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Sounds like he's questioning God. Sounds like he's struggling with what he's going through. See, see, we, 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 we don't understand. We, we understand the divinity of Jesus, but we don't, we don't fully understand the humanity of Jesus. We like to skip, off, you, you skip over that. No, you can't. You must hold in perfect unity the divinity and the humanity of Christ. That's why you need to take emerging leaders class on Bible doctrines because we're going to get into that. And some of us have been in church 20, 30, 40 years, and we don't understand some of these things. Jesus was both God and and he was both man. He was fully man, and he was fully God. And in that moment, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know where that comes from? That comes from Psalm 22. Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. He's, he's taking that as a, a prayer and as an utterance to God, as a lament to God. God, why have you allowed this? See, what we see Jesus doing, listen, listen, he's modeling a willingness to lament, to weep, to be filled with sorrow. He's modeling something to us. See, a lot of times in, in the church, and even in our Christian triumphalism, even in our mentality of hyper-faith, we don't want to, we, we just pass over that and we go right to the victory. Even though Jesus knew he was going to rise from the dead, he did not circumvent or short circuit the grieving process. Even though he was going to rise triumphant on the third day over death, hell, and the grave, he still modeled a, 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 a lament, a, a, a brokenness, a suffering. See, a lot of times we just skip over that. Jesus knew he was going to rise from the dead, but it did not keep him from grieving what he was going through. We all know we're going to rise ourselves. We all know heaven is at the end. But you know what? In this life, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of things that are just not right. Someone shouldn't die at a young age. 
tragically. Parents shouldn't bury their children. You shouldn't have been molested. You shouldn't have been raped. You shouldn't have been the subject of social injustice. You shouldn't have been gone through what you went through. And we got to be able to be big enough to cry out to God and say, God, why did you allow this? God, why is this happening? Oh, let me get to the Bible because some of you are looking like I'm going off cue. Look at Psalm 13. What is Psalm 13? How does that start off a Psalm of David? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me that's real stuff right there we don't we don't we don't like to talk like that in the church everything praise the lord hallelujah they pat you on the back and maybe even stab you a little bit but praise the lord we love you god bless you david is crying out how long four times in what two verses how long oh lord shall i have sorrow in my soul How long shall I have to deal with this? You see, he's wrestling with it. He's struggling with it. How long? When will this end? You see, lament recognizes that there are questions that are not easily answered. In the church, I think we're all guilty of just Somebody's suffering and we just tag a scripture and a praise the Lord and I'll pray for you. God bless you on it. And I know we mean well, but it's a little deeper than that. See, lamenting is is entering in. You see, when when you have sympathy for somebody, you feel bad for them, but that's from a distance. Empathy is entering in, right? To be empathetic to somebody is feeling their pain. But, but lamenting is sitting there with them and weeping and not trying to have answers and not trying to figure it out, but to say, you know what, you're hurting and I weep with you. But I think sometimes in the church we've not learned how to weep and, 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 and lament over our own brokenness so we can't enter into somebody else's. We just, we just go over it. You know, oh, I'm saved. Hallelujah. It's under the blood. Glory to God. I'm good. Praise the Lord. No, it's not. Yes, it's under the blood, but there's a process. Oh, come on. Isn't that what the word of God says? I know you're all so spiritual this morning. You see, there are some problems in life that won't be solved. Oh, my goodness. There are some relationships. There are some longings that will be unfulfilled. You see, at the core, we're we're talking about lament, but if I can go a little deeper, lamenting for the Christian is also that cry because there's an ache in the soul that only eternity will heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And there's an ache in our soul. What does it say in Romans chapter 8? That creation itself groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. It groans and, and we groan. 
Because we want to be clothed in, in, in the robes of glory and the righteousness. But we live in a world where everything is broken. Things don't work out. Life is not easy. Life is hard. I think sometimes we watch too much Christian television. I got to clarify that because some of you are really changing the channel on me. What I mean by that is Christian television is made for television. And most of the times, everything is photo finished. Everything is about victory and overcoming. It's about, you know, everything, everything worked out good. Everything works out good, you know. You, you tell an illustration, the answers are good. I, I, I heard someone recently tell an illustration about two mice that fell in, in, into a... Uh, and they were in, uh, it was a test case, and they put in water, and, and one was lifted up every so often, and because that one was lifted up, they had hope, and, and they survived longer. And someone leaned over to someone else and said, and yes, and they, they got married and had kids and lived happily ever after. <laughs> Meaning all our stories, all our illustrations end up like that. But what do you, how do you deal with your pain this morning? How do you deal with the reality of, of, of losing a loved one, of, 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 of having pain and suffering in your life, things that are not working? How do you deal with that? I believe there's a lament. You see, we like to numb up pain instead of dealing with it. Go ahead, go ahead, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We like, we, we want to numb our pain instead of dealing with it in a healthy, biblical way. And I believe part of that, I'm not saying this is all the answer this morning, but I'm saying that part of it is, is the lamenting, is the grieving, is the brokenness. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody's getting a revelation. You know, I, I was... You see, you know, we, we, we always want to move on to victory, right? <laughs> you see, we always want to move on, but, but, but we can't just move on to victory sometimes. We got to go through the process. I was in, I was in uh, my doctor's office just recently my, for my yearly checkup, and I, you know, I'm waiting there for the doctor to come in. I got a good doctor. He doesn't make you wait a half hour, an hour. I'm sorry, um, He's not taking any more patients. We've tried that for some of you. Great doctor. Doesn't make you wait. But while I'm sitting there waiting for just a moment, I look over on a chart, and it was talking about opiate usage. It was just talking about the epidemic and the issues in our nation. But I mean, it, was just, it was just a chart, really, talking about how, how dangerous they are. But you know what it said? It said in, in, in that, that chart, it says that opiates block the part of the brain that feels pain. They block the part of the brain, basically, in layman's terms. I know it's a little more scientific than that. But basically, they block that part of the brain that feels pain, physical pain or emotional pain. So it blocks that part, and they become very addictive. But it says in that little chart, it doesn't deal with the pain. The pain is there. It's just masking it. It's just numbing it. So it's not dealing with it. And again, we want to move on to victory. We, sometimes we, we, we don't want to feel the pain. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to express it. So we, we, we take Christian opiates. 
What do I mean by that? We, we try to numb the pain. We numb it with social media, with binge TV, with overeating, with drinking, with, with abusing prescription drugs. Even We could even numb the pain with busyness. Sometimes even in the church, being busy with ministry, all the while we're hurting so deeply, so acutely, yet not fully grieving. We're trying to run from it. We're trying to mask it. We're trying to hide it. And unfortunately in the church, we don't allow for the grieving. I mean, I'm guilty of this in worship. We're always, let's praise God. Don't focus on your problems. Let's exalt the Lord. And that's all true and that's all good. But there is a time when you, when you do complain. You do grieve. You are broken. I have had times in my personal life, and I'm not a weeper per se. I'm not, I don't easily cry. But there have been times, and they're more frequently because of the more suffering and the pain in my heart. But, it, but I think it's because I'm learning to grieve and I'm learning to, to get it out. Amen. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a week or a month or a year. And you might think you're healed. But again, you might be masking it. Let me quickly, quickly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this all together by the grace of God. Four elements of lament. Look at, look at, this, look at this, this psalm. Number one, Come to God. What did he do? He says, oh, how long, oh Lord? He's focusing on God. A person in pain chooses to talk to God about what's happening. You know, I find so many times the natural normal response is when someone's hurting, when someone's struggling, they turn away from God and they turn away from church. You should be running the church. Some of you, you need to be running the church. Some of you need to make a decision in your mind. I'm playing, with, I'm playing with destruction. I'm playing with fire. I need to get whole. I need to get healed. I'm, 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 I'm functioning in dysfunction. I'm doing things that are going to further exasperate my problem, further take me down the wrong path. I need to come to God. I need to turn to him and not turn away. Let me just say in the coming to God, it takes time. Not one prayer at the altar, not one anointing with oil, not one encouragement, not one scripture, not one word. It takes time. The psalmist David said, how long? And if I got it correct and I, I count quickly, four times. Four times he said, how long, how long, how long? He said, it's daily. And he even says, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? God, I'm living right, I'm pleasing you, but how long are my enemies going to keep winning? God, I know you need to deal with me, but when are you going to deal with them? Come to God this morning. Part of lamenting is bringing it all to God. Bring all your junk. You know, we all have junk in our trunk. Some of you just keep trying to squeeze. I, I've had some, some stuff in my trunk. I, I remember uh, on vacation, and, and I was, I, we, we had a rental, and, and I knew there was no other way. I couldn't throw anything out, couldn't get rid of anything, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm putting, pulling, trying to close the trunk. It won't close because there was so much junk. My wife went shopping. No, she didn't. But you know what? We try to push, and that's what we try to do with the pain. We try to suppress it. We try to numb it. We try to push it off. We try to replace it with something. I'm saying, let's clean the wound out. 
Let's get it out. Let's get it out. Let's, let's not put a Band-Aid over it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's not just wave a wand. Hallelujah. No. No, let's open up the wound. Let's let it be healed so that the healing process could take place. Come to God. Number two, complain to God. Every lament in the book of Psalms is some kind of complaint. How long will my enemies triumph over me? There are many that say of me, there is no help for him in God. Imagine David saying that. Imagine King Dave having to say that. There are those who rise up against me and they say, you know what? There's no help for him in God. Now that's hurtful. I don't know about you, but I, I'm just as sensitive as someone else. And, and sometimes, you know, I could get 10 compliments, 15 compliments for a message, and one person could look at me funny and I say, Hello? Sometimes I'm driving home on a Sunday, and my wife is always very flattering. I appreciate her. She's been hearing me preach 33 years. Well, we weren't married, hon. The church is 34 years old. We've been married 32. 33. Don't argue with me on a Sunday morning during my message. 33 years. 33 years of hearing me preach, and she still listens. She still likes my messages. Well, on our way home, you know, she, she's very complimentary, always saying good things, but there's some, sometimes we're on our way home, and, and she might be just thinking of something else, and I'm just sitting there like, so what would you think about the service today? <laughs> I'm human. I'm human, amen? Reminds me of the preacher who had preached this message and walking out the door and an elderly woman in the church said to him, pastor, that was a good message. And the pastor was trying to be so humble. And he says, he says, oh, don't thank me. Thank God. She said, oh, pastor, it wasn't that good. <laughs> I'm just telling you about my lamenting. <laughs> you see, biblical lamenting is humbly and honestly identifying the pain, the questions, the frustrations raging in the soul. Let me say that again. Biblical lamenting is humbly but honestly identifying the pain. We don't like to, to look at the pain. We want to avoid it. It's too painful. The questions, the frustrations that rage in our soul, but, but we bring it to God. No generalities. Look at, look at David. He was specific. He was saying, how long are you going to hide your face from me? Don't you know what I'm going through? I take counsel in my own soul. I'm trying to figure it out, but it's, it's causing more pain in my brain. I'm having sorrow in my heart daily. How long will my enemy be exalted over me, God? Number three, confidently ask God for help. You see, God's people brought their lament to God on the basis of the covenant relationship they had. I want you to get that this morning. This is important. We, we're bringing our, our, 
our problems, our pain, our heartache, our suffering to God, not, not just as a, a deity off in the universe, but one that we have a covenant relationship with, one who promised to care for us, one who promised to be our healer, our deliverer, our Jehovah Jireh, our Jehovah Sid Canoe, our righteousness. He promised to be all those things to us. So we're in covenant relationship with him. So we go to him and say, God, you know what? I need you to work in this situation. God, you created me. God, you know my pain. You know my hurt. I'm trusting you to do it in my life life you see praying and seeking God while in pain is an act of faith we're not burying it we're not stuffing it we're not numbing it we're not exploding but we're bringing it to God and then lastly choose to trust God you know what's interesting about this psalm he starts out with a lament now most of us if we're reading this psalm here's what we do we skip right to verse 5 and 6, the good part of it. Look, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. We'll jump right to that. If I, if I posted this or if, if we, you open up in your Bible, all of it, you just go down to the, the victory part. But you can't get to that until you process the whole psalm. You see, there is a destination for our lament. This is where God wants us to end up. But many times in our pseudo-spirituality, we want to jump there and start there. You know, if an arm is broken, unless God supernaturally heals it, there is a process of normal, natural healing. You have to set it, right? You have to set that, that, that broken bone. You have to put it in a cast or some sort of bandage. And it takes weeks and months and that's natural and normal. If you take the cast off prematurely, what happens? You will cause a setback and further damage. It's the same thing with emotional healing, with spiritual healing. There's a process. And I believe lamenting is part of that process. You can't jump to the healing stage without going through the process. I read this, this story, which I thought was very fascinating, talking about lamenting and crying. It says, Dr. Russell Moore in his book, Adopted for Life, Moore describes going to an orphanage in a foreign country as they were in the process of pursuing adoption. The silence from the, the nursery was eerie. The babies in the cribs never cried. Not because they never needed anything, but because they had learned that no one cared enough to answer. Children who are confident of the love of a caregiver, they cry out. For the Christian, our lament when taken to our Father in heaven is proof of our relationship with God, our connection to our great God who is our loving heavenly Father, would you stand together with me as the, the worship team comes back? Pastor Mike is going to come in, in a moment and lead us in a time of communion. I purposely held the communion to the end because I believe that this could be a, a time of just fellowship with Jesus. Would you just close your eyes if the singers and the musicians could just begin to play?
Thank you, Lord. What pain are you dealing with this morning? What injustice? What hurt? What suffering? If we're not careful, we could just be concerned with what's right, what's wrong, and we can begin to get angry with people and attack people and look at things politically, look at things from our point of view. But when we begin to lament, we begin to understand each other better. We begin to weep with those that weep. We begin to care for people on a deeper level. But first this morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, may we look to God, our loving Heavenly Father, bringing all our questions, all our confusions, all our concerns to him today. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the, the process of healing. God, I pray that your people would be freed up to question, to complain, not to others, but to you, God. To deal with the hurt, to deal with the pain, not surface-wise, but in a deep way as we learn to grieve. Even as we approach communion today, we understand that Jesus, before he went to the cross, he struggled and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He dealt with the pain. He dealt with the suffering. He even asked his disciples if they would, if they would stay awake with him. He was in so much pain. He needed, he needed even the presence of, of his brothers. So God, today, bless your people today as we worship, as we sing, as we lament. God, bless the communion time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around, cause all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus, breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Turn this thing around God turn it around God turn it around God turn it around I'm calling on the name That changes everything God turn it around 
God turn it around, God turn it around, cause all of my hope is in the this atmosphere, we want to shift our attention to the cross and remember what Jesus did for us many years ago. Thank you, Pastor, for the word and just reminding even us of the importance of lamenting over things in our lives. I was talking with Pastor Thursday and just even sharing on this, this topic. And even for me, it took me 13 years to lament the loss of my biological mother. 
And God had to do something in me. And 13 years later, he did it. And, and it's a process, as Pastor was saying, like the broken arm. There's a process that we go through. Stuff doesn't happen overnight. And even as you leave here today, things aren't going to happen or accelerate in a way where, yes, tonight I've got it and things are good. There's still a process that you have to walk through. And I think the message this morning is teaching us about relationship rather than religion. And a lot of people are religious, but they don't, they're missing out on the relationship that we can have with Jesus. Who better than one of the apostles, John, he wrote in the book of 1 John, he said that this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He goes on to say that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing the, these things, listen to this, so that our joy may be complete. In this time, John is writing to a culture that is dealing with agnosticism. And what that was, it was thinking that Jesus was Jesus, but he wasn't human. And that thinking slipped into the church. And Pastor made reference to that in the message. That we have to understand, even Bible doctrines, that, that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And because he was fully man, he could sympathize and empathize with our pain, with our loss, with our sufferings. We are starting a series in the youth group on looking at all the other religions and how they compare to Christianity. And what's amazing is a lot of them seem to run parallel, but a lot of them kind of derail when it comes to very basic things that Jesus was fully God and, and fully man. And so I want to jump back to Luke, where Jesus, on the night he's about to be betrayed, he's about to go through the worst form of punishment, he's sitting at a table with his disciples. And he's not there because he has to and because he's got to check it off. He's there because he said, I earnestly have desired to sit down and do this because Jesus knew what the suffering that he was about to go through. He knew what he was about to face, but he also knew what would be accomplished on the cross. Amen? I want to read just something that I had found on the idea of fellowship, and then we're going to just pray and take communion together. But fellowship, and I found this in a commentary in reference to that scripture in 1 John, the idea of fellowship is one of the most important ideas in this letter of John's. It is the ancient Greek word koinonia, which speaks of a sharing, a communion, a common bond and common life. It speaks to a living, breathing, sharing, loving relationship with another person. And when the disciple, when John says that your joy may be full, the result of fellowship is fullness of joy. And so, yes, we lament, we mourn, we go through loss, but Jesus knew the joy that was going to be restored because he could see what was going to happen after his death on the cross. The result of fellowship is fullness of joy. And listen to this. This joy is an abiding sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on God as opposed to happiness which is a sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on circumstances. John clearly echoed an idea Jesus brought before his disciples the night before his crucifixion. He wanted fullness of joy for them. 
even knowing that the cross was directly in front of them. The Christian's joy is important, but it's also assaulted on many fronts. External circumstances, moods and emotions, or sin can all take away our joy. Yet the Christian's joy is not found in the things of this world, as good as they might be. When John wrote about these things, he wrote about this relationship of fellowship and love we can share in with God, the Father, and the Son, Jesus Christ. Spurgeon said this, Too many Christians are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize it is a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. He says this, If any of you have lost the joy of the Lord, pray you do not think it a small loss. And so as we remember the Lord's table, Jesus said these words in Luke 22. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In verse 19 it says, Then he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given to you. So if we could just take that, this wafer, which again is just a representation of that, that body. Jesus didn't, he offered it. He offered himself. And from the message today, from the worship, if you are here today, maybe it's the first time, maybe you've been coming for the past few months, before we pray and take a part of this, if, you, if that's something you need to do today, you need to enter into relationship with Jesus and you come find one of us, so we want to pray with you. It's not something that Jesus forces. This, this wafer that represents his broken body, Jesus took it and he broke it and he offered it. It's a free gift. And so if you're dealing with things in your life, this represents the broken body, Jesus on that cross. So Heavenly Father, we pray right now. We pray that this word this morning would resonate within us even when we leave here today. For those that Pastor mentioned who are dealing with loss, who are dealing with sickness in their bodies, Lord, we believe that there can be miracles in people's bodies. But, Lord, we know that there is also a process. And for those that leave today and don't receive something instantaneously, we pray that you walk with them this week, God, in their grief, in their lamenting. And we pray right now that we would remember your broken body, which you took, you offered, you broke it for us. Because you saw beyond the cross and the joy that would come from your sacrifice. And so we take a part of this together as a church body. And we pray that even as we put it in our mouths and as we chew it, that it would be, we would remember what happened to your body. And it was done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a part of the wafer together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In verse 20, it says, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. We have a new covenant because of what Jesus did. Isn't it amazing to think, you know, in, in seasons of my life where we've gone through things and it's amazing to remember that everything that I've done in my own life, my sin, my, my filth, is completely covered by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Judas would betray him. And he still offered 
his blood that would be poured out for all of us. And so maybe you're here and this word really spoke to you and you're lamenting over your own life and maybe you've been so far away from God. This is what the communion table is for. We come to the table so that God can restore us. And so Jesus says, he says, this is a new covenant. I'm doing something new. And so let's lift up our cup as we just pray. And again, this, this liquid is just a representation of the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, we, we lift this up, God. And as you said in your word, Lord, to remember what we're doing. Because, God, we easily forget. Life circumstances can come in and, and cloud our thinking and our vision. And so we pray for anyone in here who is going through loss, who has sickness in their body, but also those who are maybe lamenting over their own sin or their, over their own distance from you. God, we pray that this blood this, this, that is poured out from the cross would cover every sin. It would bring people back to you, to the foot of the cross, Jesus. We thank you, and as we partake of it together, we pray that we would leave here today covered in the blood of Jesus, that it would seep into every facet of our lives, every corner and dark place of our lives, and it would restore, oh God. We thank you. Let's take it together. If we could uh, just grab hands to the people to the right or to the left of you, just across the sanctuary. We're going to, the altars are always open. We want you to know if you need to find space to come down and just from the word, and you need to lament over some stuff. Maybe you know someone that is really going through something, and you, as Pastor said, we, we have to learn how to just not jump over it, but maybe come forward and sit with them. Lay a hand on them and just be with them. You know, there was a song, as I mentioned, when I had to, when I finally grieved over the loss of my mom, there was a song that was called, I'm Not Alright. And it broke me because, as Pastor said, sometimes we think everything's got to be painted on and we got to come to church. Sometimes we could just come in and say, you know what, I'm not alright. People say, how are you doing today? Maybe say to them, you know what, I'm not alright. God is good, but I'm not alright today. To be a little more real with people. And so as we have gathered across this sanctuary and held hands. We're going to just seal what God spoke in this message. We're going to seal what the Spirit did this morning in church, and we've got exciting things happening this week. Remember the meetings in the cafe and the youth room. Don't look at meetings as a, as a board. This is, these are launch pads for what God is doing, big events that are coming that God is going to do here. And so we want to just first seal what God is doing this morning. And maybe some of you need to come forward and kneel at this altar for a few minutes just to to get right with God again. And we'll be here to pray, lay hands on you, but just spend some time lamenting. And I would encourage you this week to read through the psalm that pastor preached on. It's six verses. Make that your reading this week and just meditate on that. Amen? But I just sense there's a few people in here that, that God is going to meet at these altars. And it's not going to be this big thing. It's going to just be you and God coming. And the presence of Jesus is going to sit with you and he's going to heal some things in your life. And so let's pray and, and seal what, what God has done this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the message, God, the series that you're teaching us, God, how to be in a relationship with you, God. This is not about religion. It's not about legalism. It's not even about you must do this. It's about relationship and you revealing and showing us what a life of freedom looks like. 
Father, we pray for those who are lamenting, those who are grieving the loss of, of family and loved ones. We pray for those who are dealing with sickness in their body and praying and believing for miracles and, and not seeing it yet. Father, we lift up those who are far from you in relationship. You never move away from us. It's, it's we who move away from you. And we pray for those few that just feel a tug on their heart to come and, and kneel at this altar where your presence is here. Lord, that you would meet with them, God. You could have left the disciples in, the, in that room knowing what some of them were going to do, but you earnestly desired to sit in there with them to take a part of that meal. You earnestly desired to sit next to a Peter who would de deny you, even a Judas who would betray you for money. That's how much you love us, God. And I just pray this morning, God, that as we leave from here, as we go the meetings today, we pray for wisdom and guidance and, and the plannings that are happening with International Sunday, God, with those who are serving. Lord, this week as we prepare to come together again on Wednesday for life groups, Father, that we would meditate on your word that was spoken this morning. And we pray that there would be healing and restoration. But we pray that the people in here who are dealing with those things, as Pastor said, we would not jumpstart and try and get through the lamenting process to try and get to the other side. But, Lord, that they would walk through it in a process and you would be with them, God. You would hold them. You would speak to them. You would remind them that you are, were fully God and fully man, that you empathize and you know grief, you know emotions because you chose to step out of heaven to come down to us. And as our hands are held all across this sanctuary, we do it in one accord and we ask Holy Spirit to meet with us. And it is in Jesus' mighty name, all the saints agree together and we say together, amen and amen. God bless you. Again, these altars are open. You guys can head out, but just let's leave this place so people can come forward. But the meetings are going to be in the cafe and in the uh, youth sanctuary. But please be mindful in here to create an atmosphere for people to come forward. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday, Wednesday. Worthy.